Hi, I'm Michael Pinter. Welcome to the How to Flip New York podcast, where we teach you how to start or grow a wholesaling or flipping business in New York. If you're getting any value from this podcast, please leave us a review because that helps us out greatly. So I got a question uh, recently, I'm not straight, sorry, um, about carrying costs and really what are carrying costs um, in real estate? So let's explain really what that means because really what is how much is it going to cost for you to hold the property now if you're hold, buying something to buy and hold you're not going to call them carrying costs because those are just your monthly expenses right you're going to have taxes and insurance and and repairs and whatever utilities you're going to pay those are simple costs but for carrying costs usually means on a short-term deal so if a property that you're going to let's say flip that you're going to fix and do major rehab or sometimes i do wholesale deals wholesale deal to me is something where i close on it i take possession of it and then I'm going to do no work to it, or I'm going to do minimal work to it, and then I'm going to sell it to uh, put it on, uh, list it for sale, and sell it to an end user, a regular buyer. So there are significant carrying costs in New York, much more than in other places. Now, when I, you see, carrying costs almost implies that I'm not including um, closing costs. So I'm going to explain this sort of in two ways. Most of the time, carrying costs means what's it going to cost for you to hold the property. So you have to figure in those things that I just said. You have to figure in what your taxes are. And in New York, it's very common, at least in my area, to have taxes of at least $1,000 a month or more. If you have a loan on the property, and very often I borrow money, I have interest costs. And then any kind of utilities you have to pay. And in general, even if you're doing no work, you need to have electricity on. You In the winter, for sure, you're going to need uh, oil or gas on there. Uh, some places are heated electrically, but you, then you certainly need more electricity. You're going to need um, landscaping in the spring and summer because if you don't cut the grass, you're going to get a violation. I've gotten that, unfortunately, many times. And you're going to have snow removal in the winter because you're also going to get a violation if you don't have the have the sidewalk and walk just a sidewalk a shovel. Those are some of the carrying costs. But when I think of a carrying cost on, let's say, a wholesale deal, so a property that I'm going to do nothing to, um, I sort of figure in my closing costs on the purchase and my closing costs on the sale. And for people out of New York or even people in New York that haven't done this before, you may want to sit down for what I'm about to tell you. Because very often my cost to buy a property, hold it for just a few months while a end user gets their mortgage, and then to sell the property can be upwards of $50,000, five zero. Now, how does that those numbers work? The, my closing costs on a buy usually run around $10,000. So let's break those down. Um, I have a legal fee, several thousand dollars. I have title charges, several thousand dollars. Very often there's a tax payment due within 60 days. They're going to charge me, so I'm going to pay some property taxes. Um, and if I'm borrowing money from a lender, I'm going to have lender costs too. $10,000 is not outrageous at all. And when I sell a property, it's common for me to have maybe $15,000 in closing costs. So why is it more? Usually I'm going to have to pay a buyer's agent 2% from selling a property for $500,000. Um, that's already $10,000 in just 2% right there. Then uh, I'm going to have any taxes that were due, right? Which I may be repeated as I, as I get into carrying costs, but taxes, tax payments that are due. Um, and title charge. So I'm going to pay recording fees on a deed. I'm going to pay transfer tax. So $15,000 comes. That's $25,000 already. Now, if I have a property, even if it goes quickly, 
it's going to take me a month to find a buyer, and it's going to take that buyer two to three months to find a loan. So for three to four months, very common, sometimes more. Um, I have to pay interest costs on that. That's the carrying cost we said. Taxes, which I saw, we pay at the end, but some, you know, I'm, they're 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 due month, you know, they're not due monthly, so I'll pay them at the end. But those are accruing. Sometimes I have penalties because I missed the payment, um, and then all those things I said. So utilities, maintenance, right? Somebody breaks in, I got to deal with it. I've had squatters move in. I went through a lot of videos about squatters. So then I have to buy cameras to put up. Um, uh, and things that have to be repaired. So it's very easy to get to $500,000. And I would say my mid-range properties are probably about $50,000 higher end. And so if I'm buying something like in the sixes or sevens, uh, it might be $60,000 in carrying costs, right? Which is the cost that I have to do no work to the property or almost no work to the property. I'm accounting the work, uh, any expense for the work, just to buy it, find a buy, for me to buy it, find a buyer to sell it to, and wait a few months for them to get their loan. That's how much it can cost. I had a property recently. It cost me $62,000 to do nothing to it. I did zero work to it. Found the buyer after two days. So these are the things that I don't teach you um, in most of the, from most of the gurus who teach how to do this. Because in most it's different in New York, right? In most states, Closing costs can be a few hundred bucks, right? In Carolina, people are telling me it's 600 bucks closing costs. They want to double close, it's an extra 600 bucks. Who cares? Um, but in New York, our closing costs are ridiculously high, right? And because our prices are so high, then the interest costs are high. And because our taxes are so high, that adds to everything. So very, very common if you're going to buy a property. So, so people tell me all the time. I get these calls all the time. And they say, hey, I got this deal. It's I can buy it for three seventy. It's worth four hundred thousand dollars. I say it's not a deal. They go, why not? It's thirty thousand dollars in spread. I go, because it's, it's going to cost you fifty thousand dollars to buy it and sell it. And they go, what the hell are you talking about? And I go, closing costs on the buy. And I go through everything I just discussed. And people's heads, they almost don't believe it. They think I'm crazy, right? But I'm not crazy because I've done this hundreds of times, and I can tell you that you need to figure in what your costs are going to be to keep the property. Now. People tell me all kinds of things all the time. They tell me, oh, this area is going to be great. Just buy everything and hold it. That's a short-sighted kind of thought. Now, is it possible if I had an unlimited amount of money, could I buy properties and hold them? Two problems with that. Number one, I don't like to buy properties on anticipation of appreciation, right? Because we don't know that properties are going to go up. In fact, I can tell you without a doubt that properties are going to come down at some point. So I certainly don't want to be banking properties now there are people who have a lot of money who do that and i and, and they've done well over the years in the long term if they don't ever feel that they're going to need to sell they can wait until the market comes up but all these carrying costs that i told you add up right and if you're going to bank properties you have to keep paying on it now again if you're extremely wealthy and the thought of spending 20 or thirty thousand dollars a year to keep a property doesn't matter to you then do it but to me i don't like doing that I really don't. And I, I don't like keeping properties, worrying about what's going to happen to them. Is somebody going to move in there that I'm going to have to then evict, right? It's crazy what squatters have incredible amount of legal rights in our state. Um, is uh, Are things going to happen to it? Is it going to deteriorate? Are there going to be problems? Is the pipe going to break in the winter? All kinds of the usual crap that happens when a property is vacant. And I don't want to hold properties that are vacant. So if you're going to keep a property like that and you're going to rent it, then do that as long as you're cash flow positive enough that the wear and tear that the that the that the tenant is going to put on the property is worth it. Right? I had a property once where I was going for a variance and I got to subdivide the property. And 
took a year and I got denied. And I took another year, finally got approved. But I didn't rent it out and I was an imbecile. I should have rented it out, right? Now, the, my thinking was, and my thinking was wrong. My thinking is wrong a lot. I try to learn from my wrong thinking to get right thinking. My thinking was that, well, I'm going to get approved for this virus right away and I'm going, to, I'm going to have to kick these people out and they may not leave. And I was stupid, right? If you can have a property that's cash flow positive, get it cash flow positive. Just be clear with the tenants about what your expectations are. So I have a property right now um, where I have non-cooperative tenants upstairs and I was not planning to put tenants downstairs. I put tenants downstairs, but I told them, listen, it's a six-month lease. I might extend. You'll probably be month to month after that. I'm hoping I can get tenants out um, around that time. That was a couple of months ago, so in four months. But the idea that now I have cash flow coming from that property, it was a much better idea. And I was... And even though it cost me many thousands of dollars to get the downstairs ready because it was in terrible condition, I'm much happier now that I have money coming in from the property. So, you know, being a landlord is part of this business. A lot of people don't like being landlords. A lot of people say I'm never going to rent. But the truth is, if you have an asset that you can't deal with now, and I'm buying several properties now where I'm going to I'm going to try and subdivide, I'm going to rent them out until then. And I think it's better to have a cash flow producing, cash flow positive asset than a, one that's a drain. That's my thought. So carrying costs are significant in our area because of the taxes, because of the interest costs on the high prices that we have, because of all the things that come with it. And closing costs are incredibly high. So you have to take those things into account. If you don't, um, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, Um, mistakes that I've made that I'm trying to help you uh, not make. Hey, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, Go to howtoflipnewyork.com for more information about the various ways that I can help you. And again, if you can leave a review, uh, that would really help us out.